702. Family Matters. And today, I really want us to have a conversation about socially conscious parenting. The young ones will call it woke parenting. Obviously, parenting comes with a lot of excitement, right? There's joy, there's delight, but it can also be overwhelming. It can be uncertain, it can be stressful. And if you couple that with raising a child in the world of economic instability, in a world of racial injustice, poverty and inequality, that's a lot. You know, some parents have taken a conscious decision to raise their children in an empathetic, socially aware and engaged way where they are actually respectful of other people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race. You know, they're able and willing to speak up and stand up for what they believe in and are comfortable in their own skin. And I want to ask you this morning, are you raising your child, your children, while being mindful of specific causes, you know, be it racism, sexism, or climate change, whatever it is, how are you creating an awareness in your child about how the world might view them? Hmm? Do you consider yourself an awakened or conscious parent? Because a lot of a child's view of the world is shaped by their experiences, right? And the information that they're exposed to. So it's important to be mindful as a parent of having conversations with your children about what is happening around them. But what does it exactly mean to raise a socially conscious child in these turbulent times? I'm going to take your experiences. I'll take some of your WhatsApp voice notes as well. And if you've been raised in that conscious way, how did that contribute in your upbringing, in your view of the world? Give me a call or send me a WhatsApp voice note. I always love hearing your own experiences. Ayanda Tetkiana is a family therapist and parent coach who's going to guide us through this discussion. Thank you so much for making time, Ayanda. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Clementine, and hello to all of you listeners. Mm. So, so I was mentioning some of the courses um, that parents may be not just passionate about, but they may, you know, they're raising their children in that environment and they may want to find opportunities to speak to them about them and what's happening around them. Let's first start by defining, uh, perhaps, Ayanda, what a conscious parent is. So when we talk about conscious, a.k.a. woke parenting, what are we talking about? So it's really, it's, it's really a diverse thing, but I really like to think of it more than anything else as a reflective parent in that never mind, you know, your own beliefs that are very important, obviously, that you impart in your child, your own attitudes, your own values. While you're parenting, if you are reflective, if you're a conscious parent, you're able to keep a pulse on what's happening in terms of your children. And if you find that your child may not be responding very well. Let's say, for instance, you know, I know a lot of us are used to the whole concept of ushaiwa, you know, all these terminologies around how we, we were disciplined. And, and obviously that usually becomes like our first idea of how we should discipline our children. But then comes this little person who has their own ideas and who's very strong personality. And, and you as a parent, you want to look at your child's personality and almost parent in a way that focuses on their strengths, that 
supplements mm. where you see Uti, there's a weakness and and almost then empowering them and preparing them for the adult world because what is what is the home's environment it's actually supposed to be what we are doing in our homes is supposed to be a preparation of the adult world and the different leadership roles that our children are going to have in the future the um, social roles the the the, the problem solving roles so every single day in our homes we need to be creating opportunities to practice those things if we want to think of ourselves mm. as conscious parents reflective parents even yeah, I like that because being a reflective and a conscious parent, then it's not just limited to you as the parent, you know, discussing these issues and, and sharing with your children about what's happening around them and what it actually means. But I like what you say about listening to the children as well, because they've got their own ideas and parenting yeah. is not just about you exerting that influence and that authority because, oh, you are the you know, you are the parent here, but it's about also listening to them about how do they see the world? What's their own ideas of doing things? Are you finding that, you know, this new age parenting, so to speak, Ayanda, is leaning towards that reflective parenting where we actually listen to our children and we listen to our views and it's not just influencing and getting them to know and understand how things work, but it's listening to them about how they see things and how they want to do things. Oh, absolutely. Because think about, think about your eight-year-old today. They have more information that you could have ever possibly had at their age, right? So they're already forming mm. views, they're forming ideas. But obviously, as a parent, as the adult in the house, you will always have um, autonomy over, okay, no, we cannot do this. These are the rules. You know, a lot of people, you know, Clement, think that just because we have modern parenting, we don't discipline our children. That is absolutely incorrect. Mm. When you are modern parenting, what you're doing is you're teaching your child about choices and the consequence thereof. And for me, when you can practice this from as young as possible, you know, that concept of of consequences. Look, in terms of physiologically, you know, our we don't develop the ability of really thinking about consequences until very later on in life. But it needs to be a practice because you can even get to a point where you're a 25-year-old, an adolescent, who still doesn't understand the concept of consequences. So for me, discipline and modern parenting, you know, it's not about... Uh, I'm going to humiliate you, I'm going to shame you, I'm going to embarrass you when you've done something wrong, but I'm going to teach and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to show you that they, these are the choices that you have to make and when you've made a choice, you're going to get a consequence. Now, what's really important mm. is as a family in your home, you know, our children know what are the rules, what are the boundaries that they can cross and when they've crossed those what are the consequences? They're going to come to an adult world mm. where at the workplace, Clement, there's rules. There's, there's terms and conditions, you know, every document you sign. So you want to prepare our children already from a very young age to have this concept in their minds. Yeah. And I'm going to be taking some calls from parents on 011-883-0702. How are you raising uh, your children? Do you consider yourself a conscious parent? I know of a friend whose mom just made sure that even, you know, the schools that they went to, they pronounced their names properly. 
Um, and the mom used to really even go and see the authority at the school if, the, if, if her, her child is going to come back and say, they're not getting it right or they're choosing to call me by this alphabet as opposed to, you know, say out my names. And those are just the even practical examples I can use of parents who are actually conscious about where that kind of suggestion is going to come from that I can't even, I'm not even going to try to get your name right. So are you an awakened parent? Are you conscious? How are you doing it? And if you were raised by a conscious, awakened parent, I'd like to know how that's affected uh, your adulthood and your view of the world. 011-883-0702. Send a WhatsApp as well. Uh, 072-702-1702. Ayanda, how do you even spark these conversations? Because we're raising children in, in this racist, sexist, unequal and violent world. So how do you as a parent negotiate these challenges and spark the discussion on these issues, eh? like gender stereotypes, sexism. How do you start that conversation with your kids? Sure, yeah. I look, I'm, ra- I'm raising a 14-year-old son and a 9-year-old daughter, also in very multiracial white schools, and it's a constant conversation, you know, um, trying mm. to be clear about their, 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 their identity as black young girls and boys, you know, um, as a boy, you know, we talk about social roles and, and gender roles, but also talking about those boundaries, you know, things like um, your consent, all of those things are so important. But I think more than anything else, you don't want to be in a situation where your child goes into some multiracial school, mixed school, and then their own identity completely disappears. So now this is the beauty of our culture and our heritage, which is so diverse, where when you share your beliefs, your attitudes, what are your values, you can impart those to your children and it should help them find their sense of meaning and their purpose as they go through this, this journey of life. You know, you know, I know a lot of, 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 of parents, when they take these children to these multiracial schools, are very strict about making sure that they keep their natural hair. It's beautiful because now in South Africa, I'm mm. seeing a lot more schools being open to such things. So we have to take little baby steps in terms of that. You know, we have to be really proud of our skin colors, you know, with no matter what dark shade you are, you want to look at representation in terms of the type of media you consume in your house, that will allow your child to feel confident and proud of themselves, whether they might be maybe a chubbier weight, um, maybe they might be a darker skin, find role models of people who look exactly like them, who will inspire them to feel like they belong. And they, I mean, I just saw earlier this morning, this young lady, uh, girl who was chubby, who was dancing a Lizzo dance. Obviously, Lizzo is a little rated mm. in terms of the music. You know, sometimes it's a little extreme. But just watching her being so confident, even though she's a little bit chubby, it's such a beautiful thing because mm. she's seen someone who looks like her in terms of her weight, and she's proud to show that she's body conscious. She loves what, what she looks like. So getting um, those black Barbie dolls or whatever options of, to- of, of dolls for our children, finding books that have black illustrations for our children um, so that they can see that, listen, this nappy hair is not actually a problem. The only problem is that there's not a lot of it that's shown in your typical media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, things like, you know, the little 
um, mermaid. I mean, that outrage, yes, you know, about mm-hmm. the so-called black mermaid we saw. Yeah, I mean, it was just beautiful to see also black kids looking at that and being so excited about, you know, someone whom they can relate to and they feel they're represented because representation is important. And, and that brings me to the next point about just how do we, I mean, that you've spoken about the toys that you buy for your kids. How do you, you know, from the beginning when they are still young, the kind of books you buy for them, the choice around the material, the choice around the Barbie dolls, how important is just making sure your kid is surrounded by things that have representation because you've got to start when they're still young, isn't it? Absolutely. I, from since my, my daughter's nine now, we've never ever had a white doll from since she was a baby. I've literally had to go the extra mile to find the black dolls, even at some point having to order them from other countries, you know. Um, and for me, it was really reflecting on my own challenges with my hair, with my dark skin, and wanting her to never have to feel like she needs to ever whiten her skin, like she needs to relax her hair, you know what I mean? So it's important that we as parents, in that reflectiveness, need to think about our own little traumas and think about how do we make sure that our children never get to go to things that are really obvious. You know, the other day, uh, a really sad story. I was at the store and um, a mom, the, 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 the girl child was actually choosing a very pink outfit. And the mom screamed, you can't wear that. You're too dark skinned. And I was horrified when I turned around to look at her and like digest what she just said to her daughter. Because that is trauma that's going to take that child years and years to get over. And you can imagine how many times that child has already heard such things. So it's so important that Mm. we deal with our own trauma, with our own issues, and make sure that we avoid doing the same to our children with such things. Yeah, yeah. And and I want to hear from just, I'm going to go to your calls shortly, by the way, um, just now, now. But I also want to hear from, you know, just the diversity of parents, right? And, and maybe you are, I mean, we have a unique history in this country, right? We've got a unique history. We come from a very painful past. So as a black parent, you've got to talk to your kids. As a white parent, you've got to talk to your kids. And I'm interested to also hear from the white parents. What conversations are you having with your children? Are you just designating that responsibility to the teachers? Huh? Or are you taking that conscious decision to sit your children down and explain to them the kind of painful history we come from, the need, right, for the children, whether black or white, to respect each other and not respect each other based on the color of their skins, to appreciate that we're all human beings? I want to know, how are you having those conversations um, with your children and explaining that historical context? And how are you dealing with children who are so outspoken? Because there are parents who are not necessarily conscious, right? But their children are very conscious. They are quote-unquote woke. Um, and as a parent, how do you deal with that? Children who challenge you, who will actually say, Mom, no, their pronouns is this. Don't misgender them. Or Mom, no, that's not how we speak about people just because of the color of their skin. Share your experiences with us. There's someone who sent us a message on our WhatsApp line says, Hi, Clement and your guest. I'm trying to unlearn the parenting that I got 
growing up by my conscious by, by, by my conscious towards my eight month old baby. Okay, let me read that again, trying to figure out what the list is trying to say here. Clement, I'm trying to unlearn the parenting that I got growing up by being conscious towards my eight month old baby. It's not easy as I'm forced to confront my complex childhood. Also, how do I encourage my wider family to consciously parent my baby too? Great question there, Ayanda. How do you yeah, how do you respond to that? The listener is asking how can she encourage her wider family to consciously parent her children too? Sure. I think that would be a tough one, you know. Um in your own family structure, you will have your own family values, you know. And unfortunately mm. the reality is the rest of your family may not have the same. You know, uh, I'll make an example for myself. Um, it's it's not just allowing an adult or power to dictate things to my children. And unfortunately, I'll tell you, when it comes to family events and extended family, my children will come across as rude, you know. So obviously trying to mm. teach them the element of respect in terms of how to address the conversation or the difficult conversation when they feel they are uncomfortable with an older person with someone who's supposed to be the respected, you know, in the family, but also being clear to their own values and how they feel, you know. So I'm threading that line between the respect and putting their foot down. But I'm telling you, it always comes across as being rude to the rest of my family. But mm. for me, this is a very important family value coming because I've seen how we in the workplace as adults will struggle with power will struggle with issues that are toxic because we just don't have the voices to speak out for ourselves. And I want to make yeah. sure that I mm. consciously and very reflectively change that in terms of how I parent my children. And, and I try to teach that to the parents that I work with as well. Yeah, absolutely. So your calls after the latest in Eyewitness News headlines on 011-883-0702. In fact, let me take... Um, before we go to the news, let's take Cyril in, in Pretoria. Cyril, good morning. Morning, Kevin. How are you, sir? And morning to you. I'm good. How are um, you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, second time caller. I wanted to ask your guest. Um, I'm a father of three, a daughter that is 10, a boy that is 5, and uh, a little one that is 2. And and the, the, the issue that I'm facing is on your topic is amazing. Uh, I just came across, across a doc the last time that was saying that uh, there were studies that were conducted in, 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 in the state that revealed that um, they tried to compare the DNA series of um, all the races, your black, your white, your Asian and everything. And um, the, the, the black DNA series came on top. And the higher your DNA series, it means that you, you, you have more intelligent people in your race. Now, the black community has been, we know what we've, we've been through, and, and we from time to time take ourselves as unintelligent. Now, from that study, how do I explain to a 10-year-old that, you know what, this is what the, the study reveals, uh, you should be, uh, uh, you are very intelligent, but at the same time, without making her feel like you more, she's more intelligent than the people from the white community i mean for me there are two choices here mm -hmm. either i go in the hard way and say you know what uh because you came mm -hmm. with a nine uh, dna series you are the most intelligent and don't look at the other races or how do i balance but i still want to find the balance and mm -hmm. and i mentioned the the, the 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 tree that i have in my house 
I'm also a husband of one, and I still need to educate my wife on, on those issues as well without being too confrontational. Mm. That's what I wanted to yeah. also do. Got you. Yeah, no, I got you, Cyril. Um, and I'll get um, Ayanda to respond to that. How do you even start this conversation with your young kids without comparing them to other people? I mean, one of the things I normally tell, you know, my younger, you know, family is how resilient we are as a black people. And they must never forget that. If you look at what we've been through, <laughs> I mean, who survives the kind of trauma we have gone through that is so generational and that's one of the things i particularly continuously tell the young ones in my family of how resilient we are right as a community and they must never forget that what are you telling your kids how are you parenting them consciously more of your calls and whatsapps after the latest in eyewitness news 702 family matters it's 25 minutes before 12 o'clock on our Family Matters feature this morning. We are talking about socially conscious parenting. And I want to take your experiences. I want you to ask questions about how you can be an awakened parent. Because trust me, uh, that's going to help in building just broadly a better uh, society. We took a call before the break, Ayanda. And I just want to get you to respond to that. And the listener was asking, how do I, you know, start the conversation with my kids about how intelligent they are without necessarily comparing them with with other races? Yeah, 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 definitely. I would caution against using any research about whichever race is superior, mm. because I think that 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 I'm not a race expert, but like those are the conversations that started this whole apartheid and even gave, you know, heat to it, you know, um, fuel to that converse, those kind of things. So I would I would shy away from anything of that sort, but a healthy way to help your child to see that they are capable is to start with small little things. So let's say, for instance, you know, you put them in a soccer team. Um, and, and what we usually do is we talk about sampling extramural activities so that you can start finding yeah. something that your child is good at. So whether that be chess, you know, a lot of our children may not be sporty. And I know a lot of parents love the sports feel to, to this extramural. But if your child is not very athletic, you also want to explore other mm. things like art, you know, like chess, other different board games that you can do. And, and by, by, by going through that experience of training towards, preparing towards those activities, as a parent, what we talk about when we, when we do um, motivational type of uh, praise, where we talk about a concept called label mm. praise, while you see your child working yeah. hard towards achieving whatever goal, you know, you, you compliment in a way that, that gives them the vocab to understand what they're doing. So let's say, for instance, they were patient with this someone, or you can see an improvement in how they, they've been working out. You want to be very clear in using those words to show them that you're also noticing their hard work. And in the long run, mm. that will actually help your child gain a healthy self-confidence without looking down on the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. So 011-883-0702, have you taken a conscious decision to raise your children to be socially aware, right, and engaged? Um, and it's not just about race, right? Maybe you're talking to your kids about climate change, yeah? 
Maybe you're having conversations with your kids about just the class issue. Um, whether you're talking to them about shacks, right? We're talking about beggars that they saw um, on the streets. The poverty. Do they understand these concepts? And, and how conscious are you about teaching them about inequality? 011-883-0702. Ronaldo, you're calling us from Rodeport. Good morning. How's it, Tim? Yeah, I'm in a bit of a sort of I'm a... okay, man. ...situation, because I've got a 19-year-old and I've got a 14-year-old. And they are two totally mm. separate uh, personalities. The one is very more reserved, and everybody think, seems to think like he's more well-behaved because he kind of listens. And then I've got the 14-year-old um, that has now grown up in the age of technology, um, and he's so seriously mm. outspoken that... Uh, his grandmother and mother think he's rude, but he likes to uh, 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 view his point. Um, and he reads a lot on social media and kind of knows a lot of things. So we have lots of discussion. The other one is just more like sitting in my sitting with my books and reading. Um, and and that's the kind of situation where you gotta like split yourself. You gotta have like a split personality between the one and the other. Um, and and it's mm. a difficult situation because you kind of got to tear yourself apart and then the two boys kind of sometimes get into it because the one wants mm. to, the younger one thinks he's older than the older one. And <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and maybe, Ayanda, any advice for Ronaldo? Because I imagine it helps just... <laughs> using their different experiences to also complement each other, right? So you can say to the older one, you know, when the young one raises an issue, you know, get your thoughts as the older one. What do you think of this? You know, or and look at the different strengths that they have and constantly bring it up, I would imagine, with my lack of parenting experience. So what do you advise, Ayanda? <laughs> you know this better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, listen, I, I want to shy away from, from being a referee because that always comes back to the whole who's the favorite and whatnot. Um, so yeah. what I really find interesting about letting the siblings have their fights, obviously never physical, is that through that experience, you almost have the younger one learning to stand up for, this, for themselves. And, and you can even then later on when both of them are not in the room, talk to the older one about things like empathy, about things like, but listen, this is, this is your young sibling. You kind of have to be a little bit more patient. You have to speak to them mm. in a way that allows for them maybe to even speak back. You know, in, in teaching mm. them to learn to have a cordial relationship without you butting in immediately, you are paving a way for long-term relationships when you are not in the picture so that they can still function. If we think about how in many yeah. black families, you know, the toxic situation, once the adults are gone, the, 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 the claws come out and then we don't even know how to treat each other. So it's so important to me mm. to allow them to have those conflict, conflicts, but to coach them on the side where you are speaking to both their strengths and their weaknesses, even advising the other mm. one, listen, try this when you're having this kind of conversation. Remember, you are not going to be there in the classroom, in the playground. So when you are helping them in that way, you're not only just preparing them for their just home environment, as I said earlier, you are preparing for them for the adult world as well.
Yeah. Tabocho, you are calling us from Midrand. Good morning. Good morning, Clement. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Hi. Yes, I'm good. Clement, I just wanted to share something about my um, younger sister, who's about 11 years old, younger than me. She's got two kids. She's raising mm. them not to stereotype um, negative stories or issues around race. So even just people, you know, the reference of or a black man or a white man, you know, when you're conversing or, you know, even when the mm. kids are around, she's very, very mindful of that because she says it's important that they don't start associating certain behaviors with race or um, start seeing things in terms of racial uh, prejudice or she's she, she just, you know, she just said she wants ki- her kids to grow up um, just in a, you know, not to bombard them with just racial connotation at all times. You know, yeah. it's friends, it's kids, it's, you know, so it's not just about, oh, the, the black man or this white guy did this. You know, it's, I think it's just such a, an amazing thing because when you talk to my nieces and nephews, they, they just talk about friends. Mm. You know, it's never about a, what, my white friend or my, you know, so mm. I just think yeah. it's, it's, it's also just something that I suppose it's new age parenting that um, other people are, you know, adopting in their own lives. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that, Tabucho. Thank you for sharing that with us, Tabucho, um, in Midran. And look, th- there's a lot we need to do to even help our children experience diversity. Like I said, it, it starts in the beginning. Why don't you give them opportunities to read books, you know, and play with toys that celebrate, you know, not just different races, but different religion, nationalities. Because the more that they realize that we're all human beings, despite our differences, the more they will accept and embrace all of those varying personalities, those varying sexualities. Let's take some voice notes that are coming on 0727021. Interesting conversation, Clement. I was in the crazy store in Harbour Bay yesterday and uh, noticed that the dress-up costumes for children, capes and masks, were really clearly labelled for boys or girls. And uh, I just felt there was maybe a need for more uh, gender neutrality in children's uh, fancy dress costumes. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. It's good to hear that. Here's another message that's come through. Hi, Clement. We raise our kids at home. Uh, Firstly, firstly, they are homeschooled. They are vegan and they are taught that the way that they are treated is the way they should treat the people around them. They are taught that color, gender, beliefs, and the amount of money does not matter as long as people treat them with respect and they must. Um, uh, Okay, I've lost that. And they are taught that color, gender, beliefs, and the amount of money does not matter as long as people treat them with respect. They must respect them back. They belong to many extra activities and so on and get the social exposure. Luckily, we don't need to deal with kids disrespecting teachers, our kids that are banning schools and the risks uh, of being exposed to the horrible things that we see daily in our current school system. As a white family, our kids don't get the propaganda being taught to kids in school and on the news that they should be apologetic for things that happened long before they were born. They need to understand those things, but they should 
not suffer for it. Uh, I prefer to be anonymous. That's our listener there in Benoni. Another one says, Clement, my two, uh, two girls, uh, one is two years and another is seven weeks. I must say it's a learning uh, for me too, raising them. My parents raised me with very strict rules and without room for conversations. And yet now that I'm older, it's even harder to uh, break through those walls. Uh, truly, I want to raise my daughters with room for conversations. And, and that's the way to go, right? Um, listen to what they say. Hear what their views are. And you're not just exerting and imposing your opinion on them. They may have their own way of looking at the world and as your job right as a parent is to guide them but not to impose on them uh i under any reflections on on some of the voice notes on some of the calls i i loved what what Deborah said you know we need to learn to be able to mm. separate behaviors from people you know whether it's a black person a white person any of that you know and and it's something that we can teach our children and it goes a long way as well in terms of just the self-judgment that we learn to develop as people where, you know, if you come from an environment where there's so much critique that's happening towards everyone, once you start having troubles yourself, you're going to have the same inner voice that's then mirrored towards yourself. But if you're able to say, okay, uh, this person did one, two, three, so you're separating what they did from the actual person. Then even when you yourself mm. do something wrong or you make a mistake, you can almost give yourself credit and say, you know what, I did that particular action, but that is not who I am. Mm. That doesn't define who I, the story of who Ayanda is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm going to take a quick ad break and then come back later with some more calls and WhatsApp voice notes. And, you know, and, and thank you to the listener, Anonymous, who sent the message in Benoni, um, you know, talking about how, you know, I'm raising the kids not to be apologetic for things that happened long before they were born. You know, they need to understand those things, but they should not suffer for it. And I think, you know, what helps is to raise kids who are going to be empathetic, right? Raise kids who understand what that history that we have in this country has contributed to a lot of our social and economic ills right now, right? Yes, you know, there's pointing we can do at government, but we can't also underestimate the kind of damage that colonialism and apartheid did. And nobody says, right, you know, any person who's white in this country must go around with hanging their head in shame. That's not necessarily the case. But raise kids who are going to understand that this is what happened. Yeah? Black people were not allowed to do this. That's why right now you don't even have many of them in these industries. That's why these industries are not even transforming because of this. And I think that helps when you're giving that context to your kids so that they're more empathetic. And once the kids understand that history, they're not going to feel like they have to be apologetic. They're not going to feel like, oh, they're being made to suffer because they get the context. And as a parent, you're playing an important role in helping understand, helping them understand what happened and what the consequences of that ruthless system was because the remnants of that system are still very much with us. It's 10 minutes before 12. 702 Family Matters. It's seven minutes, in fact, eight minutes before 12 o'clock. We're talking about socially conscious 
woke parenting the young ones will call it woke parenting and i'm asking you how you are raising your children are you mindful of the things that happen around them you know racism sexism it could be climate change issues around class how do you talk to your children about inequality and poverty and are you open to your children being the ones that teach you versus the traditional mode of parenting um, ayanda has been saying that you need to be a reflective parent who actually comes and says i want to also listen to your views and i'm not going to be the one that tells you right how to think um and and how to look at at various issues i want to take john now who's calling us from rodeport john good morning good morning how are you doing i'm okay Hi. john how are you yeah i'm uh I'm I'm very confused and um I'm struggling with this uh, work parenting. Uh I've got a 10-year-old and my wife and I we've been uh, really going out of our way to bring our son up to not have the traditional upbringing of uh of white children in the past, you know. Um hmm. in terms of being more mindful towards uh towards other races and other sexes and things like that. And we really tried our best. And then it backfired mm. on us. Um, mm. my, my son is the only white boy in his class. And for the last year, we've been noticing that he's, he's really struggling socially at school. So we started looking mm. into it. And it turns out that the other boys don't want to be friends with him because he is white. And mm. it was it's a really, really thing, especially for a 10-year-old. Um, and when he turns around and, and asks us straight, uh, why that everyone's the same if it's a lie? You know, because now he's yeah. feeling that he's not an equal. Um, it makes it very, very difficult. And I'd, I'd like to find out if somebody there has as advice around it, because I've had to take steps now and put him in a different school. Um, and mm. it felt like the rest was doing it, because I had to look for a school, asking the question, are there more white children for my white child to play with, so that he doesn't feel like an outcast? Mm. Yeah. Because that is what happens to him now. Yeah, and yeah, and you don't want a child to feel like that, John. And, and, and I mean, for white kids that are a minority in the black schools, that they can, I can imagine that's, you know, an experience for some of them. And, and, and equally so, you know, you'll have, you know, some of the black kids who are in predominantly white schools who will say, well, I feel like I'm not being accepted here. And I think it's, it's a conversation about us as society and how we are not catching up. Right, because these kids, even those black kids, are coming from homes. What conversations are their parents having about the need to be in this inclusive society where we are not mm. befriending or hating or moving away people on the basis of race? And for me, I think as a society, we've got a lot of work to do. We do, um, because it's not just John's kid who is not being accepted. Right? It's not just that. It's John, as, as you know, his kid who's white in this predominantly black school, there are many other kids who are black in predominantly white schools, and they feel the same way that John's child feels. And I think as a society, we've got a lot of work to do. 
which is why you've got to do something as a parent because the conversations you're having or not having with your children at home, they are going out there in schools and they're going to be displaying sometimes a persona you don't know because you're not talking to them about this issue. So they're going to get it on social media. They're going to get it from their friends and they're going to display that. And you're going to be surprised when you're being called to a meeting at school because you have forgotten the role that you have as a parent to be the leading guide and not just abjugate that responsibility to institutions like the church or just the institution only like, um, you know, the school. And that's the bigger role that we have to play as parents. You're with Clement Maniatella. 702. Oh, 12 o'clock. Uh, let me thank Ayanda Tekiana, who's a family therapist and parent coach, for guiding us uh, throughout this discussion about socially conscious parenting. And please go check it out on our website. If you caught the conversation late or you want to send it to someone else, go to our website, 702.co.zero. Just, just type Clement Magnatella Show podcast. And, and I think this is something that will be useful to another person out there who's raising their children.